but we have a, a Google Chat number up there. If you have a question that you'd like answered based off what we're saying, you type it into that number on your phone and you can send it back there. We'll get it and we'll try to answer that um, on stage. If you have a phone that doesn't text, uh, then you can stand up and raise your hand and we can... Uh, that's so old school. We can do it the old school way. We can actually communicate with this one another. This isn't Parents United. This isn't Parents United. This is Thrive. This is Thrive, but I would assume that there are, there are either those who don't have the capability to text on their phone or are too lazy to do it. That's what I would do. I would say I can't do it because when I text, I do the, I talk into it, right? I talk into it and it never says, it never gets accurately what I want. So I end up typing on it anyways, but I text because I'm too lazy to do that. So I'd rather communicate, but I thought I'd throw the option to you, the 21st century, if you feel like you would like to use that. And we'll get those questions answered for you because we want to be helpful to you um, this evening. So if we could start the night off kind of this way. Um, a lot of the things that we've been talking about, Pete and Val, just kind of bring you into what we're going on. We've looked at the family from the husband and his call to lead, the wife and her call to submit, parents, their job to love their kids. But if I notice as I'm looking at the Bible, it's always going to hit the husband and wife first before we talk about parenting. Why do you think that the Bible is going to, going to direct us in that way? Is that, do you think that's intentional, Pete? Well, I think for sure it's yep. intentional. As we're looking uh, in a world today where, where the divorce rate is approaching, Probably about 58%. Uh, God's intention uh, is for a man and a woman uh, to engage in marriage, regardless of what uh, you might be reading in the, in the press, and that this man and this woman together uh, form a union that kind of looks like this, where two become one flesh, right. and in that, uh, in that union together, uh, when it's lived out biblically, mm. uh, we find the ultimate relationship in a family which is the husband and wife. Mm. And if that relationship is a good relationship, not a perfect relationship, but a good relationship, sure. then the chances are discipleship is going to happen, nurturing is going to happen, and, uh, and hopefully some good things are going to happen in that household. Right, the right sort of training is going to go on at that point if the husband and wife are making sure that they take care of their number one responsibility. Because I would think if, if, I, if I mess up on this right here, there's no way I can do right the parenting, even though I think I might be devoting no more time or doing this. I think God's kind of laid it out um, in that sense to be able to focus on that. So are there, when you talk to people, are there certain areas that you could maybe give like a husband or a wife, like a checklist? Oh, making sure that we're constantly <laughs> doing this before we you know, engage in the parenting. Is there any, any aspects like that? I mean, that? Par parenting you know, is probably one of the most difficult things in the entire world is right. to be a parent. Right. It's, it's humbling. And uh, it, it is time-consuming. The investment that's required uh, is, is, you know, it's endless. Right. And in terms of a checklist, I, I would always say in a marriage, you know, we have different levels of, of connections with our, uh, with our spouses. Uh, we, we have a, a spiritual connection. And I think that's so critically important that a husband and a wife are, are praying together uh, seeking God together, mm. uh, and, and I think if we're seeking God together as a married couple, uh, one of the most important things in a marriage we can do is that when we fight, you notice I said when, not if, right. but, uh, but when there's conflict in the home, uh, we're going to take care of it in the real time. And if we don't take care of it in the real time, uh, that's where the, where the largest uh, uh, you know, area of troubles right. enter into a relationship are unresolved problems and conflict uh, where people say foolish things like, uh, I just agree to disagree. Right. Hmm. Crazy. 
No, and, and, I, and I, what I see in the wisdom is that is if I'm going to spend time in God's word and I'm going to spend time praying, they're really, I'll feel the conviction of not dealing with those problems. So if I'm not spending time in God's word with her, I could see why it would be easy to kind of push those things off and then we're not going to kind of deal with those issues. But if I'm in God's word constantly, that's going to help me kind of push towards that. And I think you and I have been talking a lot about marriage and, and we do a lot of counseling and working with couples and and uh, Ephesians 5.33 is a, is a passage or a verse of scripture right. that comes out over and over and over again. It's very simplistic, but the truth that God has in that, uh, in that one verse, telling husbands that they ought to be loving their wives as they love themselves, and telling wives that they ought to respect their husbands in all things. Right. And I think that's so helpful when we look at, uh, at roles in marriage. Uh, women want to know that their husbands love them. Right. And, uh, you know, you and I have talked before that, that people that are in bad marriages, women in bad marriages, the thing they think about the most is, how much does my husband love me? Mm. Does my husband really care about me? Would he go into a burning building? If he knew what he knew today and we got in the way back machine, right, and went back to the beginning when we met, would right. he marry me all over again? Would he do all of these things? Right. And, uh, and women think constantly about how much their man loves them mm. and, uh, and cares for them. And, hu and husbands, that what they want more than anything, right? They want their they want their girls' respect. Right. And uh, you and I have sat in counseling appointments, and I can tell you within 10 minutes uh, whether a wife respects her right. husband or not. Right. And uh, boy, that's really important to know that that your your husband is in that relationship, making sure that uh, that his love and his sacrificial love sure. for his wife is is there, and that the wife is going to always respect. Uh, respect your husband. Boy, so profound right. and, uh, and so useful. I would think also, too, that we want the spiritual, but I think there's got to be that sort of friendship aspect. And what I'm really thankful for is, like even Andrea and I were able to benefit from the date night that we had a few weeks ago, because in Thrive, we get people together, they take care of the kids, and you're able to go out and just kind of develop that friendship that maybe doesn't always get to be there when you got kids running around and mm -hmm. toys flying this way and you know it just it's craziness but to be able to sit down and connect really well is is, is something important to build on too uh, i would think um, well i mean companionship in genesis chapter two right is one is of the main one of the critical components yeah. right of marriage is that man was not meant right to live alone right and uh, and god made woman for man mm -hmm. uh, so they would be companions sure. and uh, and again that's a that's another problem in our world today our, uh, our marriages uh, that become roommate situations right. where, uh, where we're just doing business with one another. We're just dealing with kids. We're dealing with bills. Right. And, and we're not really companions. We're not doing things together and enjoying you know, God together, enjoying different things that are outside the realm of mm -hmm. being parents. And I think, I wonder if people apply this logic, because this is kind of what I see. I have to pay the bills, so I have to be active and go do that. I have to go to work and do this. And for some reason, they think when it comes to companionship and friendship and going out on dates with your wife, they think that that's just going to naturally happen. They think that that's different than all the other categories. No. But it, I mean, it's when not. You, when, right? you, when you have kids, I mean, think about how, how fast the pace is here in Orange County. Right. This is a fast-paced world that we right. live in. Our kids are involved in sports and church and school and every activity that's out there in the world. And, uh, and the economy, even though... You know, some people are saying the economy is better. The economy is not better. Right. Uh, many people are underemployed or still struggling for mm -hmm. money. And, and we have lots of people where, where the husband and the wife are both working and trying to make ends right. meet. And, and when all of these pressures come in 
and you got two kids or three kids wandering around in your house and right. you're trying to discipline them and care for them i mean where did you where's your time right where is your time to go do that right and if it's not intentional, it's not going to happen. Very good. Yeah, we've we, we got to mark that out and make sure that it's that's not going to happen. Okay, so we, we're trying to build that strong foundation so that when we parent, we have, we have a unified front here to do that. But I think maybe before we jump into this, we can talk just for a moment about we have people in here who are awaiting kids. We have some couples out there that are just you know, thinking about kids. We haven't entered into that stage. What's wisdom in talking to those people as they, they, they start thinking about that next stage? They just got married. They're talking about kids. Don't, don't have kids. <laughs> okay. They're, they're next gonna, question. They're going to cause problems in your marriage, <laughs> and they're going to cost you about a million bucks each in terms of, uh, in terms of your financial investment and uh, your time investment. Right. I, I mean, think that's facetious. Kids, kids yeah. are a joy from the Lord. Uh, I mean, being a parent is one of the most wonderful things that uh, you, you could ever experience. Right. I think that, again, uh, lots of prayer as you're thinking about having kids. Sure. Uh, don't think too long about having them. Uh, the earlier you have your children, uh, the better. Uh, I can tell you I'm 55 years old. I just turned 55 wow. a week and a half you ago. You don't look a day over 54, not you even know what? a day I, over 54. I had, a, I had a guy look at me and say, you really look like you're 53. <laughs> and, I, I, and I took that. I said, oh, okay, took a great. Compliment, right? And by the way, when you're 55 years old, I didn't know this, but I was uh, having breakfast the other day at, uh, at IHOP with a guy, and we're having breakfast, and the menus come around, and my friend said, I'll take a 55 eggs and something or other. And I was like, a 55 egg? What is that? He said, no, when you're 55 years old, you order off this side of the menu, and it's like 15% off. Wow. I said, are you kidding me? I qualify for an old age <laughs> discount. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. That's a benefit. But again, this, this idea of, of being a parent right. is, is really uh, the quicker you can do that in your marriage, I would recommend you do it. Right. Uh, Val and I, if you don't know, we're, we're an infertility couple. So we tried to have kids for a long time period. And finally, we, uh, we went the adoption route. And and I, I'm still like on that 55-year-old guy, senior citizen at IHOP at least. Right. And I've still got a kid that's 17 years old that's, uh, that's uh, you know, Laguna Hills High School. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of days uh, when, when I, I'm not sure I want to contend with a high school-age student. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's a lot and it's different. And I think that parenting is a, is a young person's right. sport, you know, if you would. <laughs> and I think, the, I think the younger you are, the better it is because we'll, we'll talk in a minute about how important parenting is from newborn up to 12 years old. I'll right. tell you right now, the work that you're doing with your newborn up to 12 years old is going to be a, the most important thing you do. It'll mm. set the foundation in everything that will happen uh, when your kids hit puberty and the real action starts. Right. And you were going to say something about... Is this, is this on? Are you on? Are we on over here? Is it on now? I don't hear it. Hello? Almost there. Hello? Andrea, yeah, take Andrea's, take Andrea's mic while we figure this yeah. one out. Sorry about that. I, I just wanted to add, um, if you are a younger couple and you're thinking, well, that sounds nice and everything else, but this is frightening and how are we going to do this? Uh, obviously, you want to talk it through with your spouse and, and concerns you know, that you have and, and what's going on. But the, the thing that you need to see is the people around you. You have a, a community yeah. of support. 
And you do need each other very right. much. You need your pastors. You need a great church. God has blessed you. You are in this spot, and you're in a great place to raise children right now. Yeah. And you will need wisdom that you don't have, and you will have that great resource in the Bible. And you will have people to explain it who've been down the path with your with your mentors and, and the people that are there at your tables. And please use them and understand that there are resources there provided by God for you to help you raise your kids because you're not going to have every answer, but you need each other. Right. You need each other for friendship and to help each other for the date nights and to encourage each other yeah. in the word. And, and as, you, as you learn to depend on each other and trust each other, your relationship with the Lord actually thrives yeah. and does better, your name. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it does thrive. And, and so I just want to encourage you. I know you're not going to have all of the answers, but you won't even if you wait 10 years. Well, I, I think that that is great advice right there because oftentimes you think you're making that decision in isolation because it's mostly affecting you with the people in the house. But if you're really a part of a thriving body in the body of Christ, everyone's involved in one another's lives, helping, encouraging, you know, all this sort of stuff. So that's a great point to, to even be considering that. I would think other things you want to talk about too. I mean, obviously, people make decisions based on kids. Well, can we afford it? Do we have enough space? Those are practical questions you ask. But the, I think the ultimate question we ask, am I doing this because I'm making a conscious choice to wait because I want to serve God's kingdom better? Or am I ready to promote God's kingdom by having more kids? Because that's really what God's saying in Genesis 1. Be fruitful, multiply, spread my image out that way. Teach and disciple your kids so that my name goes out. Well, if that's the motivating factor and that's one of the main reasons why you're going to get married, then I think you've got to really consider that um, as you move forward. Hopefully well, that okay. was also part of your premarital, you know, hopefully That's right, you yeah. can kind of talk through, yeah. you know, the idea of children, that yeah. you both are like-minded, that you both want children or yeah. don't want children. Right. And um, if, you, if you haven't been able to become like-minded yet about that, I, I would definitely recommend that you talk to some godly counselors about that. It's very good. You know, yeah. Definitely talk to your pastors because that's a, it's, it is a big decision and sure. it does change your marriage whether you do have children or not. Absolutely, yeah. We would love to help you in that instance. And uh, all that communication and that planning, that, that kind of hits to what you were talking about, Pete. For us, most of us in here are in the stage where we're taking a kid who's either a newborn or all the way up to you know, 12 years old, which are very formative years, as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the importance of, of planning and being on the same page as you're beginning that, that sort of relationship. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're being given a gift, yeah. and God has given you a gift of a child. Right. And so, so here is this little sinful being that you're going to start. <laughs> Wait, kids are discipling. sinners. My you know, goodness, yeah. That's a whole nother. Yeah, that's a. But anyway, discussion. you have you have this little child that God has given you, mm -hmm. and now the Bible says that your goal, what you're trying to do, is is you're going to try to disciple mm. this uh, this little one, and as you disciple them, the discipleship is is going to take on a couple of different patterns. Uh, one of them is, is, you know, you can't make your kid a Christian, right. but you still want to spiritually disciple your kid. So that's one aspect of the planning is right. that you want to teach your kid mm. about who God is, who Christ is, what the gospel is. Uh, and inevitably, you're going to e even teach him the law. You know, you want to make sure that your kid, whether they become a Christian or not, right. when the light turns red out there, they're going to stop at it. Right. And they're not going to be jacking some guy's television set, you know, out of, out of someone's house. They right. want to, you want your kids to know right, right from wrong. Uh, next, you're going to be teaching them practical things. There's a whole level of practical discipleship that right. you're going to be involved with your kids, starting from giving them chores to do, making their bed 
teaching him how to use a vacuum cleaner one day, how to do, you know, how to use a washing machine, right. how to change a tire on a car. Eventually, when they get older, you're going to teach them how to reconcile a, a checking account. And, right. and, and then, of course, then there's going to be some kind of vocational training that you're going to give them. That's going to translate into school. Sure. And you want them to do well. The better the education that they'll have, the better prospects for, uh, for some kind of job for them. Uh, as, they, uh, as they go older. And again, this goes back to the idea, uh, I'm being very intentional when I'm planning, okay? I, I'm, I, want, I have this idea of a plan, but is it it's important, did the husband and wife sit down before they're even thinking about having kids and making this plan? Or let's say they're in the process right now, they're like, oh, we don't have a plan, what are we going to do? The first step is to do what? Sit down? Yeah, I mean, it, but, but think about that. Most people do marriage and they do parenting just off the cuff. They By the just, seat of the they, pants, they right? They just yeah. do it. Right. But if you go on a vacation... You know, you, you, you know, you get on the internet and you start looking at right, different yeah. airlines and different hotels and different things that you're going to do. Right. You're pretty, you know, you're pretty uh, intentional about what you're doing. Right. But most of our parenting and most of our marriage uh, is, is really not. I mean, the first step is really just sitting down, making sure you're on the same page okay. with your husband and wife right. and making sure that, okay, we've got this little baby that's sitting in a bassinet crying and and what are we going to do? And how do we how do we start off from there? Right. You know, when do you start teaching the kid to read? How do you discipline this kid? Right. What are what are your goals for when they're two years old, three right. years old, four years old? And it's interesting because I think oftentimes, and maybe uh, maybe I, I I'm only struggling with this, but I don't ever want to get to the the place where I think, oh, when when they get to that age, I'll start doing that. No, I need to be intentional now, early on, with a ton of things. Right. I don't want to think there's a certain age where I can start teaching them responsibility with money or you know this i can start with the small things age appropriate things but i don't want to think that oh there's a plateau i'll get to that later right. because later is never really ever going to come i want to start and sit down like we've recently i was at the we were at a um counseling conference and we started thinking about okay miles is three we want him to help more around the house and we want to get him involved you know people have chore lists and things like that like i'm thinking through things like well instead of calling it a chore list I want to sit down and I want to call it a responsibility list because I want my son to learn the language of responsibility. As a man, I'm responsible for this. And people might think, oh, well, responsibility, he's a three-year-old. Will he get it? Well, he might not get it at first, but the more that it's talked about and the more that I'm intentional in bringing that up, I think the better that that's going to be. He's not going to be hit you know, by surprise when he's seven and I say, oh, you have the responsibility to do this. What? No, he's been, he's been hearing that language all along from me. Now, maybe you, you the, the wives can jump in at this point in time. When we're, when we're talking about a big plan like this, you guys are doing the day-to-day type things. How can you make sure you stay focused <laughs> and maintained on the tasks at hand? Because you get thrown a ton of curveballs. I would, I would just imagine each and every day you get thrown a ton of curveballs. So somebody's going to have to talk into the mic and ask. I will. <laughs> I, I was question. kind of waiting on Andrea if we hadn't yeah. heard from you yet. But um, I, I did want to say... Um, so when, when your husband's away and you're, you're not, um, and you're on your own parenting and everything's happening, it's really important that it's as if your husband's home. You know, the things that you're doing are the same things that you would do if he was there. Yeah. It's not like you have a different rule set when, when he's gone. You want to honor those things. And so if, if you have a husband who travels or if you have a husband who's in the military or um, a husband who um, is gone for a period of time, it, you want it to be as if dad's still there. You know, the rules are there. The way that dad wants things to run would be there. So it's not like um, there's a different different uh, mindset. One thing I would say um, that helped me a lot when we were raising our kids 
is we didn't quite know who they were going to be because they still can't talk. Right. And then when they do start <laughs> learning how to talk, they still aren't able to express a lot of different things about right. that. And so it's partly you have to pray through who is this kid? What is he all about? And right. uh, what does she care about? Or you know, what is, what is that? Uh, what, is, what are his gifts? And, and what are the things that are special about this kid that God really wants to develop? And how can I, how can I help do that? Because I'm the steward of right. this kid. But one of the things that helped me a lot with Pete is we would talk a lot about character. What kind of character right. oh, is it that, that God really admires? Mm. You know, when we go through the Bible, what kind of things do we see in the character of Joseph? Or what do we admire about godly people that we know? We were just talking about a woman the other day who perseveres. and um, Fortitude. Fortitude. She had fortitude and courage. Yeah, yeah. And Good she um, was able to persevere through some really tough times. And the whole time was faithful to what God wanted. Mm. And we were thinking, you know, those are things that we want to on purpose instill in our kids. Right. And that's going to look different for every kid. It even really even is. in your own home, you can have two kids and raise them. You right. can be the same kind of parents, but they'll be very different kinds of people. Yeah. But you can still have that kind of character, right? I like that, the char- talking about character, because I'm not just trying to conform my kid to some sort of external obedience. I want that obedience to be attached to a faithfulness, a fortitude, those types of things. That's really good, yeah, mindset. That and I, and I, th- I, think that's, I think that's good. I'm doing a funeral this, uh, this Saturday, mm. and one of the things that, that we always look for in a funeral, we work with a, a family, and they're saying, well, what do we say, and how do, how do we do a eulogy in that? And it comes down to legacy, and it comes down to the person uh, who has passed away. Mm. What were the godly attributes that this individual had that we want to really put on display? Yeah. And, and we look at attributes like fortitude or perseverance or courage or integrity. And, and those are great attributes because at the end of the day, uh, you know, at the other end of life, uh, those are the legacy livers. Because you as parents, you're going to give lots of lectures. We're parents. We give tons and tons of lectures. The kids sit in front of us. We go like there. And they look at us like, is it over yet? Is it over yet? Is it over yet? And they kind of move on. But you know what they really pay attention to? They pay attention to what you're doing. Yeah. So if you're saying, look, I want you to be a person of integrity, or I want you to be a person that's truthful, or I want you to be a person that's perseverant, mm. um, the best way to get them to do that is if that's true about you. Yeah. Because, I, you know, and, and a lot of times people will say, well, you know, I've got a little bit of time yet. My son's three years old or he's four and he doesn't pay attention. Your three-year-old pays tons of attention right. to what you're doing and uh, will pick up all of your good things and pick up all of your bad things as well. Right. And, uh, and we need to be good examples, sure. and, uh, and our kids, will they'll mimic right. what we're doing. Well, God's going to give us that example in Scripture, right? We're called to imitate God, Ephesians 5.1, as beloved children. He's going to teach us mm. how to act. He's love, we should be love. He's merciful, we should be merciful. Right. Why would we think that would be any different in our parenting at that point in time? Well, we got a couple questions back here, unless you wanted to add to that thought. Okay, we'll go to the question. Uh, Great question right here. What age should you start disciplining? I'm not sure if a three-month-old is capable of comprehending correction or not. Now, a lot of these questions we're going to jump into are going to be a lot of wisdom issues, but I think we can bring some biblical principles to them. Mm -hmm. What do you think is, is, is wisdom in this area at that point in time? I think, who uh, was it, uh, Swindoll, who said, if you start on day two, you started a day late. You started yeah. a day late. Started a day too uh, late. I would certainly yeah. agree with Chuck Swindoll on that. Yeah. You want to answer that? 
You want to answer that question? As far as discipline, uh, discipline actually doesn't mean um, punishment. I suppose punishment is a, a form of discipline, but discipline is a redirection in the way that you should go. Ah. And if you if you understand that you're you're basically taking your three month old and when your three month old or your baby is trying to scratch his face, what do you do? You you bundle that little baby up so he can't scratch his face. Right. And so that's a discipline. Don't scratch your face, little baby. Right. And and um, so that's a that's a form of discipline. Sure. And and so you practice it all the time. Yeah. And so the idea is, you know, you want to keep your kids safe. You want to teach your child to listen to your voice and and. Um, mom is here, you know, good morning, it's time to wake up. No, we don't stay in bed all day long. Right. You know, these little things, that, or it's time for your nap and you're going to stay there and, you know, yeah, one and, and things like that. So that's, that's what I would say about discipline. And, and, and I think that what you want to get into your newborn kid is not the idea that you can, you, know, you can give them spankings or give her spankings. Right. The idea is you want to set your kid up so that they can receive correction yeah. and they can receive direction. Right. Because what you want is you want your kiddo uh, from, you know, from newborn all the way to when they leave your home and go off to college or work, mm -hmm. they, you want them to be able to be an individual that can receive correction right. and can receive direction. Right. And I think sometimes that's where as, as parents, uh, sometimes we spank our kids out of frustration or angry or they just don't get a point with us. and and then we kind of lose it, and then it's just like, well, discipline means spanking. Mm. Well, discipline or spanking is a form of discipline for right. sure, but really what's important is getting your children to a place to receive correction and to receive direction. Mm. And that starts from day one at the hospital. Right. And just think about it. I mean, your baby will recognize people. Um, if you've been around somebody and, and while they were in the womb, and then this little baby's been born, and that person walks into the room with their voice, the baby almost always has some sort of recognition of that voice. And so they, they're they need to know your voice over the other voices. Sure. It's very important, and moms have that, right? When your baby's crying and there's 100 babies out there crying, my baby's crying. Right, you could tell, <laughs> you know, right? We yeah. know, yeah. we know their voice too, and, and God gives us that special, that special awareness of our kids. So, we can protect them and we can help them. Right. We want to protect our kids, even from themselves. And that's an important aspect of that. They need to trust that that's what we're about. They need to trust that we can we can direct them, that we have their best in mind. Right. And even when we spank them, it is to stop them from a behavior that we, we know is really bad for them to continue. Right. One of my prayers for my kids growing up was that they would get caught right away if they did something wrong. Right. Because I didn't want them to develop a habit of, of doing it. And, mm. Oh, you should have seen them tremble, especially when they hit about 10 years old, when I would pray that for them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would pray that with them? Oh, yeah. Oh, that is, that is over, genius. I would pray that over oh, them. Oh, that's but, great. Absolutely. Sometimes when I God saw, when I saw a little bit caught. of trembling, I knew confession was coming soon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But, I'm taking uh, that away. Okay, yeah, good. so that was, that was you know, there are different things that we can do. It wasn't mm -hmm. meant to be manipulative, but I no. wanted them to know that's right. what would be good for them right. is to get caught right away. Right. Yeah, and that's a standard I would think, too, like I would want for myself. God, if I'm doing something wrong, I don't want to go long into disobedience. Right. Right? It's not Absolutely. hypocritical in any sense at that point in time. But yeah, we often think just negatively of discipline, meaning I can't discipline my kid. Well, discipline is not just correction, it's training, it's instruction. Absolutely. So that's going on. It's, and and it's if you look, at, you look at Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer of Hebrews um, 
I think nine different times uses the word discipline, right. never uses the word discipline in the sense of giving a spanking. Right. You know, the Greek word there is a Greek word, pedia, which right. means a teaching or a training, and right. there's a discipleship that's involved in right. it. And perhaps sometimes inside that discipleship will come a spanking, right. and I'm pro-spanking. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's needed. Right. Uh, but I think that what we do as parents is a lot of our discipline is really built on a paradigm of we're frustrated, we're not getting results what we want, we're tired, right. as opposed to, look, I need to invest in this kid, yeah. and I, my investment can't be just a business investment, right. which is like, how are you doing in school? What's going on? Are you obeying? Are you doing that? Right. There's got to be a relationship and an investment that goes beyond just the business of being a parent. Very good, very good. Yeah, we have uh, another question. I, I like this one. It's going to be very practical. How should a wife submit to her husband when they have differing non-salvific theologies, especially now when they're going to start teaching their kids? Because obviously we're teaching our kids about God, but if they have a differing view on something, what's, what's a wise way to handle this? So different theologies or philosophies? Well, I would think, I, I'm assuming from the question that it's like something like... Because I think it'd be harder if, if you were, you know, a Baptist married to a Presbyterian. Yes, sprinkling and, you know, and, and one all that person stuff. believes in pedo-baptism. Right. Right. And the other one, hopefully the Baptist would be a husband in this case, right? Right. And uh, right. that was a joke. You should have laughed. But at any rate, that would be different than different philosophy. Sure. I, I'm thinking like, well, I guess I could throw out this example, non-salvific, like the husband thinks speaking in tongues is okay. The wife says, no, I don't think that's okay. Um, differences like that. That's what I'm assuming is going on from there. Um, and if that is the case, this is how, kind of how I would, I would take a look at that. I would think if, if we agree that the husband is the head of the home, that his view on, on theology and scripture is what should be taught to the kids. I think the wife can ask and say, hey, I see it this way. Would you mind if I, I told them about this other view? But I think ultimately she's going to have to appeal to her husband in that sense to, to keep it. I, th I think it's a lifelong problem. Yeah. I mean, really, if you have two people in a marriage that are, that are committed right. to a secondary you know, aspect of theology, right. I mean, it's, it's a divided opinion. Even if it is secondary and non-salvific, it'll be confusing to a sure. kid, and, and I think it's difficult. My experience, though, from dealing with parents at our church, I very rarely get that problem. The yeah. problem I usually get is a philosophical problem. Okay. Usually a problem where, uh, you know, Junior's in the middle of the room and uh, is disobedient. Dad rolls onto the scene, grabs a hold of Junior, yells at him, gives him a spanking, Mom jumps in and goes, oh, don't yell at him that way. Right. I don't want to discipline him that way. Yeah, I mean, that was that's, the other question. You know, that's more often what, right. you know, what I okay, would Okay, so what's wisdom in that sense? Because I think maybe the principles might even correspond in both. If yeah, I, 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 think, I, I think that God made men and women different. Right. Okay. Uh, For guys, good guys, you know, I mean, guys, I mean, good reasons. And guys are going to look at their kids, and, and guys, for the most part, uh, let their kids do things that perhaps might be a little bit more risky than what mom will uh, want their kid to do. Right. You know, like I, when our son was two years old and my wife was gone, uh, I allowed my son to, to buy a bicycle. He couldn't hardly speak, but he bought a bike. And we were, he was a dad mom. We were at Walmart together. Mom's gone. You I know? think dad bought the bike. Well, <laughs> I think he did because he kept going, which I translated to buy me the I bike. The bike you know? yeah, right. So we're at this Walmart and I said, okay, let's get this bike. Me, you, this is awesome. It's great. And uh, so I brought him back home, highly coordinated. It was a two-wheeler. It didn't matter. That's not an important part of the story. 
So there were originally, uh, this bike did come with training wheels. And, yeah. uh, and my two-year-old thought that the training wheels were restrictive. Right. I could tell that because when I put him on the bike and put the helmet on him, he kept pointing at him going, <laughs> which I interpreted, take the training wheels off. Right. Now, I looked at my watch and it was noontime and my wife wasn't supposed to come back from the women's retreat until about four o'clock. So guy time was still going to be another four hours. Right. So I said, little guy, you know what we're going to do? Get that wrench. And we took off those uh, training wheels. And then we put him on the bike, or at least I did. And, uh, and you know, I'm running right alongside him. And I'm kind of proud of this. Hey, two-year-old looks like he's got this thing down. Right. And I've got my hand on his lower back. And, and he's pedaling away. And, and then all of a sudden, his hand is reaching behind where my hand is. And I said, little guy, are you pushing my hand away? To which he responded, <laughs> which I interpreted as, yeah, get your hand out of the way, Dad. And next thing you know, my two-year-old, who has no capacity for anything, is now driving a bicycle down a cul-de-sac, which was very safe, until I realized as he was approaching this SUV that was parked mm. that I hadn't taught him how to use the brake. Ah. That was not a good end of the story. Because <laughs> he ran right into that guy's car, and I don't know to this day how he didn't put a scratch it, but it was all good. Really? He was good. He got up, and after crying for a little bit, uh, we put him back up on the bike again, sure. and we went back down the cul-de-sac right back towards our house. Well, guess who decided to come home early to surprise mm. me from the women's retreat? That's right, my wife did. And she's driving in this direction, oh, and yeah. she sees her little two-year-old boy <laughs> driving a two-wheeler, two and I'm thinking, I am so busted on this. I am so, and I was busted. And as quickly as we can, we got the wrench back out going, yes, we'll put those things back on. We, <laughs> we put all of those things back. But you know what? That's a, a good example difference between a dad and a mom. Right. My wife would never have done that in a million years. And dads, yet we, we're going we're gonna to be a little bit more risky with our kids and right. do things like that uh, with our kids. So there's going to be philosophical differences. Right. But the other example I gave you, you know, dad gets upset. He deals maybe a little bit more <laughs> aggressively with junior than mom would. And mom is like shaking a little bit going, oh, I feel uncomfortable with that. I don't like it. Moms never, ever, never, ever correct your husband in front of your kids. Don't you ever do it. Don't you ever do it. Remember that thing we talked about with respect? Now, you can disagree with your husband, but what I would want you to do is after Junior's put to bed, then I'd, I want you to go up to your husband and say, could we go talk in our bedroom? Could we go talk in a quiet area together? And then talk to your husband and say, hey, you know what? I felt really super uncomfortable with the way you dealt with Junior today. And uh, can we talk about a discipline plan that might look like this or like that? If your husband looks at you and he pulls out the, you need to submit to me an all things card, right? Which I hope he wouldn't. But if he does, you have one other option. That other option is, honey, can we go talk to somebody? Can we go to counseling? Can we talk to one of the pastors? Right. You always have a resource to talk about it. but when we're on the playing field, okay, and kiddos are in the room, you can't, you can't go against your husband. And vice versa, husbands, you can't go against your wives, not in front of your kids, not in a million years. They, as soon as your kid can triangle you and figure out, I can ask mom right. uh, to go to you know, Magic <laughs> Mountain, and if she says no, I can go talk to dad, and he's going to say yes, and they can triangle you like that. Listen, yeah. kids are manipulative. And some of the best kids I've seen at manipulation 
start at two, three, and four years old. And I do a lot of marriage counseling. And sometimes I've had like 12 and 13 year old kids mm. approach me at church and were mad at me because I helped their parents reconcile <laughs> because the deal was over. Right. And they couldn't, they couldn't operate in the way that they were operating right. before. One, one of the ways, um, for example, a, a man might, or the husband might undermine the woman is, especially women who are more aware of what's going on in school, the woman might say something like, okay, you know, it's time to put, we've got, uh, let's get these dishes cleared off this table and let's get your project going. Let's do some homework. And the dad's like, hey, I'm done with work. We're going to relax now. He doesn't need to do that. It would be very helpful to your wife. And um, just, just um, from the women I've talked to, it would be very helpful to your wife if you would also refrain and talk to your wife and just say, look, you know what, um, son, you know, when he gives the, the rolled eyes or whatever, you know what? Let's get that table cleared off. You need to get that right. going. And then talk back about your plan. You know what? On Tuesday nights, I get to come home a little bit earlier. Or I'm home a little bit later. I'd really like to have some family time. And this is what I'd like to do. What do you think? Let's yeah. work it through. That would be so helpful because um, it tends to fall on women um, a little bit more about education and about you know some of the things that are going on in school. And it may not be true in your home. Your husband right. may be completely dialed in and know all about those things. But... Um, <clears throat> But it would be great to talk through those things on a one-on-one -on -one as opposed to in front of the mm -hmm. kids. Because the kids will sense, is education really important in this home or not? You know, is this, is this really a value or not? Right. And dad doesn't really care about those things, and it's fine. Right. I think, like, uh, I mean, just hearing from both of you, uh, I was going to say just communicating openly about it. Um, and again, not in front of the kids. Um, I mean, I can pick up already now... Um, if I correct Miles and my husband's right there, he will look at me and then immediately look at my husband or you. I can yes, say you. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Same like guy. As if yeah. he's not here. Right. Um, and and look to him as if it's like, are you going to give me a second opinion? It and that I saw that start really young. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but just communicating. Um, and again, if there's something that puts you on edge, um, have that Esther banquet <laughs> and, you know, go uh, before your husband very respectfully and ask them, um, you know, if, if there's a, another way or just coming up with a plan in yeah. general. Um, but I think sometimes women kind of just either get bitter and sit back and say, well, he has the last word, so I might as well not even talk about it when your husband, you know, has no idea what's going on. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, open communication is a huge thing. Um, and I think, I, I mean, it works. I mean, it's proof. It works with us. Well, and the open communication kind of ties these two things <laughs> together in if we had a plan at the beginning, this is what it means to disciple our kids. I want my son to do well in school. So when mom comes up and says, hey, it's time to do this, and I had another thing, oh, well, the ultimate goal is not fun. It's, it's training the kid. Or, hey, if we, if we both agree that this is wrong, I'm not going to undermine you in front of that. That's just communication that needs to go on constantly. But again, I think that's what's kicked to the back burner when we're just always dealing with, okay, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? What are we going to do now? If we don't have any plans going behind us, it's just not right. And I, and I want to—I just want to really emphasize too—is that when you disagree, not if you disagree, right. you will disagree right. with your spouse 
Right. Okay, but when that happens, right. uh, not in front of your kids, and then talk to your spouse, and always believe you have options. Right. Leave the best in your spouse. Here's we're praying together. Look, God, we both we're we're both dealing with this issue. Right. Uh, she sees A, I see B. God, help us to be like-minded in it. This is we're praying together, discussing it, right. finding the best in your spouse. And then also not getting to a place of hopelessness. Right. Because you have resources. If it's so egregious, right. if you think what your spouse is doing is so out in left field, your next step is pick up a phone. Right. We're in a church family and ask one of the family members for well, some help. And I think maybe this can be said to kind of help this facilitate this whole thing because I, I think sometimes people get the wrong view of counseling, meaning if you come in to see a pastor, things are bad and people are going to think all. bad of us. But that's not really what we want. I mean, we take those appointments because we want to help out. But counseling can be positive appointments. I had, a, I had one earlier this week, and I asked the guy. I just said, hey, we've never had this before. Are we just doing kind of a checkup, kind of seeing how you're doing? Or is this or is something really wrong going on? And he's like, oh, if, if, if I just want to check up, I can come in? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of things we want to do. And it helps to have the, the pastor there, if it's a theological difference or a philosophical difference, to say, okay, well, we can definitely go to the Bible now and make that the kind of the, the anchor right. of this and, whole thing. And, and again, good communication right. and never getting to a place of like, I've exhausted all my options and now it's hopeless. Right. The Absolutely. worst place to live. What's okay. our next question? Very good. I think we're, we're nailing these right now. Let's go to the next one. <gasps> um, what, what do you do when after spanking the child, a girl gets more and more emotional crying and they don't settle down and they continue to cry even with additional spankings. What's wisdom there at that point in time? Please wow. drop some wisdom. I had two us. boys. Well, we, have, we all have boys <laughs> up here, so it's hard to relate. Yeah, no, it's a good, this is a good question. Yeah. This is a question that happens often. Right. And, and parents get frustrated. They're working with their kiddo. Uh, their kiddo disobeys. They start spanking. Right. The kiddo looks at them and either does this and says it's over, and they continue. Right. You take away their stuff. They still persistent disobedience those are frustrating moments right. and 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 you remember that the crying kid when you're disciplining him is equally disobedient and equally rebellious they're just using another tool in the toolbox right. to say that hey you know what i don't like the spanking and and, uh, and, and i'm going to rebel against what you're doing with me right. um what i what i'd recommend i don't know that specific situation but when spankings and you're sitting here spanking your kid over and over again Sometimes the best thing to do is to stop spanking your kid altogether uh, and then take that kid and, uh, and isolate the kid. What I like to do with kids like that is stop the spanking and then take that kid. Oh, wow, you're disobedient. Great. You're going to come over here and sit in this chair. And you're going to sit in the chair. You're not going to be part of our activity. You're not going to be part of what we're doing. We love you, but you're going to sit here for 10 or 15 minutes. If you persist in disobedience, we'll just add extra time to it. Uh, I've done things with really disobedient kids uh, where I've recommended that, you know, we all go to yogurt land and go get takeout yogurt land. And, you know, the other the other kid stays home and sits in the chair and doesn't participate, teaching the kid a lesson that life goes on in the family. And because you're being disobedient doesn't mean that the rest of the family is going to stop having a, a good time or participating in an activity or, right. or anything else. But sometimes the spanking stuff is, is frustrating because it's, let's face it, when you spank your kid, that's the death penalty, man. That's the end of the road. Right. What do you got next after spanking, right? right? And they know it too. They're right. looking at you going, 
Okay, what else do you got in your bag of tricks? You just spanked me. What do you got? And you're just sitting there going, oh, you're right. I don't have anything else. Right. And, uh, and so sometimes, you know, you, you stop throwing fastballs and you have to throw a, a curveball at your kid. And getting your kid to sit down uh, is one of the most brutal punishments in the world is taking a young kid, making him sit in a chair, and all he does or she does is sit in that chair right. knowing that they're busted and they're going to just sit there. Right. And if they get so bad by sitting there and so disobedient, even if it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, you know what the next thing is? It's bedtime. We're going to bed even though the sun is up and it's all good. You know what? You're going to bed. Good right. night. And what, what you're not going to allow them to do is in their uh, over-emotional crying state, you are not going to let them manipulate the situation. Totally. You said the family's going to go on. Mm -hmm. You don't have control. It's we have really control important. over there. Yeah, and if it's you important. give that over, then that's when you've lost and, the and just re And just remember, when you're spanking your kid, like I said, it's the end of the road, right. and you're not getting a result. You're hoping that, you know, oh, wow, I had to pull the cooking spoon out. Here comes the spanking. This is going to be the winning play, right. and when it's not the winning play, you're just sitting here going, right. what else do I got? Right. You don't have anything else. So, you know, here's where I would think, and I, I don't know this based off of the question, but, too, when you get to that point and the spankings aren't accomplishing, they're just becoming more disobedient or they're, they're screaming more or they can take it, what, whatever it is, there is typically something else that is of value to them that you can take mm -hmm. away. Like your example fun times with the family i'm going to take that away from them that's going to show mm -hmm. them that they don't get this but it might be you know depending on the age of the kid yeah, for another most, thing for most for most kids what we call revocation disciplining where you're revoking Revo things and taking away for most kids most kids that works yeah you know if you hit them where their heart is right you know take their toy away from them take an activity or a friend with <laughs> most of the time that's going to work right but for those selective few right <laughs> you know we need to we need to be a little bit wiser with them absolutely and and again i i see parents reduced to their knees in tears right. coming into my office going spanking and spanking and spanking and not getting a result right and and sometimes the best thing to do to a willful kid is remove him from the family right. you know temporarily get him to sit in a chair or her to sit in a chair quietly silently and uh and if they can't do that it's going to be bedtime right and we'll try again tomorrow friday's another day right okay well let's hit this next question uh, talking to husbands about um, how to start leading their wives, and I'm going to say two kids in this instance, in making sure that they are uh, reading the scriptures together and, and leading in, in the spiritual aspect that we talked about earlier. Um, how do they start if they are, in a sense, uh, afraid or embarrassed? And uh, in one instance, I'm going to come, I'm assuming that a, a woman <laughs> asked this question to get to her husband, but I'm going to say, if it is a case of genuine, genuine embarrassment or things like that, I want to know why. I want to know why you're embarrassed. Are you embarrassed because you don't know the Bible and you're a young Christian? If that's the case, please come in and get some help because we want to help show you how to lead in this area. If you're saying, hey, I know the Bible, I just I have a hard time leading in this, then I'm going to tell you... I'm going to tell you to get over it, and you need to start leading your family in that in that instance. If you, yeah, more you, you time, probably deal more, with this. Yeah, more times than not, the fear and the embarrassment right. is built on a paradigm of the husband not knowing as much about the Bible 
or the husband not being a Christian, sure. or the husband not living a holy life, right. and feeling, wow, this is, this is contradictory to what I'm about and what yeah. I believe. And sometimes forcing someone to do something that in their heart they don't really believe in becomes you know, construed that as embarrassing be yeah, right. or, or fearful. Uh, for the guys that are out there that, you know, my, my wife knows a lot more about the scripture than I do, uh, that's okay. There's only one uniform that's given per house for spiritual leadership, and sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a big uniform, and, and, and the husband doesn't have the muscles to kind of fit into the uniform right. altogether, but he's still wearing the uniform, right. and he's going to be the leader of the home. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at a church like this, resources? Come on. Right. I mean, we have so many, so many resources to help you at a church like this. Part, it's it's incredible. It really becomes about your motivation and your heart to say, right. you know, give me those resources right. and, and help me. And, and your wives want you to be leaders at home. They so desire right. for you to be the guy that comes home and says, hey, let's, uh, let's open God's word together. Right. Let's pray together. That's the heart's desire of right. every Christian woman. Uh, they, want their, they want their guy to be a godly man. Right. And, and in doing that, one of the best tools that we have is called the DVR. Yeah. Everyone know what the DVR is? You guys know what the DVR, yeah, right. daily Bible reading? Yeah. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world. You don't have to go to a store. You don't have to go for massive training, anything else. You push a button. Can you push a button? Yeah. Click it, yeah. We click a button? Click the button. I yeah. push a button on my yeah. iPad. Oh, but on anyway, your iPad, okay. You know, you click, you push, you do whatever. It's there for you. And you, you get your wife in a room with you. You listen to God's word. Uh, right now, we're out of Leviticus, and now we're into, into Numbers, Numbers, and we're still in the Gospel of Mark. You could listen to God's word together right. with your wife. My wife and I listen to God's word together every day like that. And then there's a time of discussion. What did you hear today? Uh, what was the one thing that stood out to you uh, from the Gospel of Mark or from the book right. of Numbers? And then the best part is, is hopefully a chance to pray. Pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray for your kids. Uh, we have all kinds of things that are important to talk to the Father in heaven. Uh, and here's our chance not for liturgical prayer, but rather to pour our hearts out with our wives, with our husbands, and, and ask God to work vibrantly in our marriages and in our parenting. And we're really trying in here to also facilitate other avenues. We don't give binders with homework in them because we want to just add something else for you to do. If you as a man say, hey, sweetheart, let's sit down and do the Thrive questions and we're going to grow in this, that's a form of spiritual leadership to be able to do that with your wife because totally. now you're being intentional when you do those types of things. But sometimes the embarrassment that comes, I think of Second Timothy, it's the Iwana verse, 2.15. People are embarrassed because they don't, they're not diligent in dividing the word of truth. That's what it says. A workman not ashamed because he's been diligent in cutting the, the word rightly. I would be ashamed if I haven't spent the time doing that. Right. So you should get into the scriptures and, and do that. And the, good, and the good news is you could start today. Right. You could just start today. Right. You can go home, push, click, do whatever you need to do. But spend some time in God's word with your spouse and pray with your spouse together. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about what happened in the past if you haven't done it or whatever. You don't have to worry about the embarrassment of knowing or not knowing more. Right. But, uh, but jump in and you'll be surprised what God will do uh, to your marriage and in your lives. Right. Well, here's a practical question for the ladies. Wives, how do you make sure you, you have the energy and happy countenance to, to serve your husband after an exhausting, stressful day with the kiddos? And I can, after you know, seeing sometimes and walking in and, with young kids, I know that can be extremely difficult. So are there any practical tips out there as you 
are doing that. It's kind of a little bit what we were going to talk about earlier. You know, how can you make sure that you stay spiritually strong with all that going on? I think that would probably play a little bit into it. Um, good. Um, I fail a lot of times at this, um, but it, I, I mean, looking, at, when I look back at, like, why wasn't I welcoming Mike home and excited when he got home, and it's most likely because I haven't been, uh, I didn't have my quiet time. I didn't have that um, time of, of prayer. And I'm not talking about just your morning time. Quiet time should be all throughout the day um, when you're depending on God. And especially when you have younger kids, it's going to really exhaust your energy. And, well, if you have older kids, you have to run them around to all their sports and right. stuff too. So um, I would just say for me personally, and I think this is, applicable to everyone is spending time in prayer and I, I, you know there are so many days that I want to redeem by you know having a smile on my face when Mike gets home and running up to him and giving him a hug <clears throat> but uh, even if it's like right before you know when he's going to come home pray unwind a little um, because He's also coming home from a long day as well. Um, it's not our checkout time where we're like, all right, his turn. Um, glad you're home. Um, but it's, uh, it's family time, and you should be glad uh, your spouse is home. And so I would just recommend spending time in prayer. Right. Um, would you think something, too, like do wrong expectations steal joy? from you, like thinking, I have to have the perfect home, or I have to do this, that's going to steal my joy, because again, it, that could be leadership of, of my part, saying, I need this, this, and this, rather than the goal of our home is to glorify God, and the goal, goal of our goal is to, you know, keep the kids uh, alive, and making sure that we're training them towards <laughs> godliness, and if we're accomplishing those goals, then the little things that might bother you so much... Expect, wrong expectations, maybe. No, I mean, if my goal throughout the day is to keep the kids alive, I have succeeded every right. day so far, <laughs> um, which is like, yay. Um, right. But I think the standard of, ha you know, if you look at other families or if anyone is on, pen uh, and on Pinterest, <laughs> I mean, that's your standards are blown. Um, because you look at everyone else's family when everyone else's family is not supposed to be your standard, no matter how good it looks. Uh, Christ is your standard. You should be striving towards righteousness. Um, and I think it can be exhausting. I mean, I remember doing things throughout the day and being exhausted doing them, and I think I asked you, like, does this, does this matter? <laughs> No, <laughs> like it, like sometimes as wives were like, we need to have everything organized and labels. And when our husbands are like, I don't care. Like I know where the forks are. You don't have to label them. Um, I, I mean, things that- I don't that even use forks, so <laughs> who cares if you label them? I think sometimes as, uh, as women, wives, mothers, we put um, extra pressure on ourselves. Um, and again, communication goes into that. Yeah. Um, asking your husband, before he walks out, well, not right before he walks out, but in the morning, like, 
what do you need done today? Like, what is there anything that you need me to accomplish besides keeping the kids alive today? Um, and if there's nothing specific, then you know the things that you need to get done. But the that stress that you put on yourself by social media or your friends' families or your friends' houses, it's yeah. it's unnecessary and. Well, I think that's very good right there to think it because it's not going to change, but I think it would be the case that oftentimes I am on social media and I'm seeing these things or I'm watching TV and there's these expectations. If I put those away and I really just plod towards what we as a family have decided is going to bring glory to God, it's less of expectation and pressure. Uh, do you have any, any other wisdom for that, Val? I mean, dealing with that? You know, I was um, talking with my mother-in-law today and she grew up as a, actually a war refugee as a kid mm. in uh, Europe during World War II, and she was a German kid, and her uh, family farm had been confiscated by the Nazis, and her father had been conscripted as a mechanic for the German army that was uh, facing off with the Russians. They didn't see him for years, and they were trying very hard to stay at one level of concentration camp so they wouldn't go into the, to the ones where nobody came out. And uh, so they were trying very hard to find work and get people to sponsor them and just moving from place to place. So she, her mom, and her younger brother were, did this for about four years, very difficult time. And she lives in a, in a humble place in the desert and they don't even have paved roads. Hmm. They have scraped roads and the scraper comes by about twice a year. So the road is smoothed out. Hmm. And I remember saying something to her and it wasn't like a super compliment about where she was living <laughs> and her she took it as you know this is so great we have fresh air and clean water and I have a roof over my head yeah. she's so content yeah. she's so content I love my mother-in-law she her attitude is so godly and it's a great example to me that is that is a blessing to your husband ladies yeah. to be exactly. a content woman mm. to appreciate the things that you do have You'll have the ultimate gift if you're a Christian already. Your, your soul has been saved from the pit of hell. Yeah. You are going to be with Christ forever. The time that we have here is really small. And you can make a big impact by honoring God. And if you, if you can kind of just take a breath, learn and practice contentment. Let your husband know that you're happy with him. Mm -hmm. Let your husband know that you respect him. You appreciate that he's worked hard and you're happy when he's home. Because you know, um, as Martin Luther said, uh, you want to you want to make sure that your husband wants to come home and is reluctant to leave in the morning. <laughs> you know you don't want it the opposite way. You right. don't want him to be reluctant to come home. Running out of the house. You, so you know one of the things I did with my kids was, who gets to hear dad's car first or the garage door open first or however dad was coming home. Tell everybody, shout it, dad's home, dad's home, dad's home. Mm -hmm. And we would all run to the whatever door he was going to come through, and everybody would stand there, including our dog, jumping up and down, and we would all attack dad. And I know that's a, a more perhaps still do. Tumultuous, yeah. <laughs> tumultuous time than maybe um, some dads would like. And so you have to learn what your, what your husband really likes. I but like the it. idea was it was an event. Dad coming home is an event. My kids would draw pictures for dad. Dad, you are home. <laughs> you know, little, little banners. We're yeah. so happy dad's home. We would wave them at him or, you yeah. know, whatever. Sure. You know, we, we saved you a cupcake today. You know, there's only two finger marks on it. And, <laughs> And, um, you know, that's, that's just for dad and, and just ways to honor dad and to be excited when dad would come home. And that was a great reminder to me, too, to enjoy that 
with them and teach them to to do that and that's mm -hmm. that's an important thing that he it's sees solid. it he's got a place because you want to create more than just a house or an apartment wherever you're at you want to create a home right it's got to be an oasis for your husband it's right. got to be a place where he can he can take some of that armor off and 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 enjoy a place of refreshment and and that's really a big deal and that's a gift that only the wives can really give right and so you have a you have a special and unique role in his life and that is to give him a, a, a chance to take a breath. Right, and what I really like about that example is while it's, it's honoring to the dad to have the kids running home and doing all this, the training that's going on in that is I'm teaching my kid to think more highly of someone than, the, than their own selves. All right, stop what you're doing. Let's go get dad and make him feel good. And now it's training more than just, hey, dad, feel, feel good about coming home. Now the kid understands hey, it's not about me, it's about enjoying the family and getting to have these types of attitudes. I think yeah. that can be very helpful at that point. In time. All right, we only got time for a few more questions, so let's get a couple more of these. Do you think that kids need to have their own bedrooms? At, at, at any age, do you suggest that they separate? And should they have their own rooms? What's, what's wisdom there? Well, we had two boys, right. and uh, we made them bunk together. Right. And we had a big enough house that they could have had their own rooms, and... Uh, they bunked together, and they, you know, we, we thought it was better for camaraderie, and right. and uh, and they like being in the same room. I think that if you got a boy and a girl, obviously, sure. you know, if if space provides, you want to have a place for a girl to have her own room, and maybe the guys to have their own. You can have two girls, two guys, something along. So, that was there way. a time near high school though that you separated them, or they stayed? You know, we moved in. We moved into our new home, yeah. and we have a we have like a different style home where there's a. Uh, a large area and these like smaller bedrooms that are off the large area. Yeah. And so we did separate them okay. when they. But I think that even even if it you know we're back at our other place, I think they would have been fine. Really? Even as uh, as as. Okay. Uh, I mean, it, it's what Val was talking about before is the level of contentedness. Sure. Uh, you know, it's it's not about concrete. It's not about rooms. It's not how big your house is. Right. You know, it, it's what your heart's all about. Yeah. And uh, in in our house, I care about the hearts of the people that yeah. are there. Very and, good. And I want my kids to be content, whether it's, you know, in a room together with their brother or if they do have their own room. They want them We're to be We're in the same content. situation right now, and that's kind of the way that I'm viewing it and thinking about this. I'm going to teach both my boys who are in the same room together that this is how you live in a small space with someone else. You can't always get your way. You need to talk things out. There's going to be problems. Mm -hmm. They're going to borrow this toy, and this is going to happen. That way, when they go off to college and they have roommates, now it's not a shock to them right. that, oh, there's another person in here, and it's not all about me. It's, I think it's good training in that sense. Because, yeah. I mean, one day they're actually going to get married. Married, right, yeah. And they're not going to have their right. own room then. Right. <laughs> but, but the other point, too, is, is uh, do you really want your husband to have to be gone an extra six hours a day so that he can afford their oh, yeah. own room or yeah. you know um what's what's worth it you know maybe maybe you have um kids sharing a room but maybe you're able to get to the park and get some outside time and do that and right. we live in a place where we really don't have you know the heavy winters and stuff you can almost always get outside and do um activities and stuff out there and but to use your resources again you know and and to to think through those kinds of things and um, I, I see it on Facebook. Some of you guys are really active, and you're, you've always got some amazing things going. It just depends on your family. You know, some of you are, like, just Captain Energy, and you've got something going and a project every day, and, and that's really cool. And others are, are more, um, you know, contemplative and reflective, and, and they want to do some quieter projects and things like that. So it just depends. But to me, it was always about, you know, economically, I'd rather have you home spending time with us or um, investing in our kids and doing things like that than out 
just so that we could get more stuff. Right. Yep. Yeah. Very good. Uh, we got a question. What do you think are the crucial elements that can go into a date night? Yeah, I think those are some good things to talk about because oftentimes um, what, I, what I fear is that you can get away from the kids and then all you talk about is the kids. And so is that really a date night going on? So in, in my mindset, I want to make sure that in a, in, a, in, a, in a dating environment that it's like what I did when Andrea and I were, you know, you know, going out, and as you heard me interview myself, you know, the fun, crazy things that, um, that you, you don't say that often, as I interviewed myself. Um, but yeah, the fun, crazy things that you did before you got married, before the kids were there, just to enjoy one another's company. Not to say you can't talk about any important parenting decisions. Sometimes it's good to get away and do that. But I think it's important to, that it's a relationship building here. Between I think, I think what you're saying is important. I think a lot of times where I'll, I'll be in a counseling situation and I'll say, hey, when was your last date night? And they'll say, you know, when the Yankees won the World Series the last time or mm. something like that. Yeah. Long period of time. Right. And, uh, and then they'll actually go out on a, on a date night and the date night will be ruined, you know, like 10 minutes into the dinner or 10 minutes into the walk because there'll be all this frustration and all this anger about how they haven't been out on a date night <laughs> for like, you know, you know right. for a long period of time. Right. And, and I think that what, what should be happening in a date night it's not a business deal. Yeah. You know, and kids are business. Right. And, uh, and money is business. And, and, that, and, I, and I recognize, you know, like, like you were saying, is of course you're going to talk about some level of that. Mm -hmm. But the things that should happen, uh, I, I like the date nights where the husband plans them. Yeah. Kind of a little old fashioned. And that would in, even include the, the babysitting aspect of it. I think it's really good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the husband uh, isn't going to be in a role of like, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? What restaurant do you want to go to? I don't know. What restaurant do you want to go And I, I tell guys, plant something romantic. And, right. and, you know, find a place maybe you've never been to before, you know, with your, with your wife. Sing her some Lionel uh, Richie, something like that. Wow. Yeah, just, now that is not something. Bill Jensen would like that. No. Huh? Yeah. But at any rate, you want to you do something where the guy, I like to see the guys get really super involved in doing something fun. Right. And then staying off of business. Right. And if it can be, so what would you talk about? And this is where companionship comes in. Right. Is, your, is, your, is your spouse really your best friend? Right. So when you go hang out with a friend, do you have, do you talk business with you? No, you yeah. don't. You talk about all kinds of fun things. Yeah. And, uh, and those are the kinds of things that you ought to be chit-chatting with with your, with your husband or your wife. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, some of the things I like to talk to my wife about are, we, we read lots and lots of books and we, we frequently talk about books that we're reading, whether they're on Alexander the Great or if we're reading books on, on economics right now or whatever the topic right. is. And I, I wanna talk to her about those things. That's a great time to be able to hang out and talk about those. We like to travel. We like to do these crazy trips at Compass Bible Church and so, you know, we went to Europe last year, and, yeah. and, uh, and we went to all these different reformational sites. So, you know, these are great, right? Because you can put every picture you've ever taken, thousands of pictures, and you can sit in a restaurant and go, oh, do you remember when we did that? Or what did you really think about this? And mm -hmm. the next thing you know, we're talking about something that we did that was incredibly personal to us, right. and that, that you know, was worth it. And, and you know what? Pray together. You know, it's a great time. Right. Go for a walk somewhere. Go sit down and... And spend some time seeking God together and right. talking about Scripture and talking about the, the messages that are being preached here. Mm. I mean, there's so many great things that, as a companion that you want to touch and you want to talk about. Yeah, that's absolutely. And speak, speaking of a husband to a wife, what it will communicate for you to take the time to be intentional to say, 
I know work was busy, and I only get a half hour at lunch, but I spent that half hour calling a babysitter, picking the restaurant, doing this. Mm -hmm. It's going to speak volumes to the person that you're leading and caring for because you took the time and effort to do so. Um, Got time for a couple more? Yeah, a couple Let's more. Let's hit that blended family one. Okay. You want to read it for me? There? Where is it? See it? Uh, it's the start one starts with Ken. Ken, 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 Ken. Can you there give you any go. advice for blended families and the role of a step parent? Yeah, and, and and you know what? That's a that's a great question. And you know, I said earlier the divorce rate is uh, is 58 percent. When I was a kid growing up, I told you how old I am. A long time ago, Dwight D. Eisenhower was president when I was born. Mike wow. Elliott. Yeah. Do you know who that guy was? I do. Uh, but at any rate. Uh, in, the, in the era I grew up in, people weren't divorced. And I remember a, a gal got divorced at the end of our street, and it was scandalous. You know, it was Peyton Place stuff. They don't know who Peyton Place is, and neither got do me you. There. Got but at any rate, it, it, was, it was a soap opera. It was a scandalous that someone would even get a divorce. And now, fast-forwarding uh, a number of years, uh, every single person in this room has been touched by divorce. Either your parents have been divorced, uncles and aunts have been divorced, perhaps you've been divorced. It's very, very common. And we live in this world where, uh, where blended families uh, are becoming the norm, uh, not, the, uh, not, the, not what they were before, which was like, oh, well, once in a while we have to deal with blended families. We deal with blended families all the time because right. it's just part, uh, unfortunately, uh, of our culture today. And it's a, it's a difficult, difficult question. Yeah. And the way I would answer that, talking about blended families, uh, biblically again, uh, mom and dad on, on second marriages, Brady Bunch situation, you know, kids coming in on both sides. Uh, same things we were saying earlier. Mom and dad have got to be the primary relationship in, in, the, in the household. Right. And that relationship between husband and wife becomes the same level of importance, whether it's a blended family or whether it's your first marriage out. Right. And, uh, and that is going to set up just incredibly difficult dynamics you know, where one person that's coming into the marriage, a wife, she'll have kids, maybe the husband has kids, sure. and now the husband now is going to have to discipline uh, the wife's children, his non-biological kids. Right. And again, if we're Christians, if we're, if we're together, uh, if we're living this way, even in a blended environment, sure. there's lots of discussion, there's lots of dialogue, there's right. lots of prayer. We're not gonna we're not gonna do that by the seat of our pants. Right. Now we're really super duper, right. you know, intentional about what happens when your twelve year old daughter, who I'm hoping will embrace me somehow as a as a parent, right. what happens uh, when when that girl's disrespectful to me? Can I spank that kid? Can I do this? Can I do that? Sometimes you can't spank a stepkid because the, the, the father in that situation is, who's outside of the relationship has got some kind of order saying you just can't smack that kid. Right. And that might be something you really just cannot do. Right. But like I said, discipline isn't just spanking, right? There's a lot of ways that we can, we can discipline. But to be a blended family and to do that successfully, whatever that means, is really going to require a lot of conversation. Right. Many of the same things that we're talking about here, where, where the husband and wife have really got to be on the same page, spiritually, practically, philosophically, and, uh, and working together. Do you think maybe one of, the, one of the ways to help facilitate that is to talk in terms of maybe not necessarily, hey, we're a blended family, what are we going to do? But talking in terms of, hey, we're a family, this is what our family is going to do. You mm -hmm. do go to another family, but 
We're not talking a blended family. We're going to talk about just a family because this is how God views the family. Mm -hmm. Talking in terms that way between a husband and wife, at least, might get you on the same page. But yeah, I mean, there, there's so much to this topic. Yeah. This, is a, this is a huge topic. Right. And, and in doing that, you know, I always encourage uh, the husband and wife to speak respectfully okay. about, the, about the other spouses that are outside right. of this relationship. Right. Uh, just as like I would tell you never to speak poorly about your spouse in front of your kids, yeah. I would tell you never to speak poorly about your ex right. uh, to, in front of your kids or to, uh, right. to anybody else in it. So there's a lot of dynamics that, go, that are involved in, in doing this right. well. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of conversation, a lot of prayer, and it's very, very common. Right, very common. Yeah, and again, utilize resources as coming in and saying, okay, well, pastors, you deal with this. Well, let's talk about mm -hmm. how to navigate through this and what are some positive things you can do. What are, yeah, we yeah, would love I mean, to have that uh, sense. We had, a, we had a family this <coughs> week that's in an exact same situation, mm. and the stepmom in this uh, case has inherited a, a 14 and an 18-year-old boy, and, mm. and uh, these boys are not Christians. Pray for them. They're both going to revival, by the way, this, yeah. uh, this weekend. So we're hoping that uh, God will do a work in the hearts of the 14 and 18-year-old. These 14 and 18-year-old boys are, are having a relationship with their stepmom, and this stepmom's hitting it out of the yard. Awesome. I mean, she's doing a, a, a great job, yeah. and, uh, and there's some real difficult problems in the relationship. Yeah. But I sat with both of those boys independently, and they're looking at that stepmom as if that was her real mom, awesome. and they're, they're saying, we're going to do what she said. And the reason we're going to do what she says is because she loves us. Mm. She cares about us, and, and we sense that, and, and yeah. that, that's a great dynamic in it. So right. you know, there's a lot, too. And there's hope. That's good. That's, there's that's a lot good. of hope. hope and again, it's just like it, God never wants us to be in a position where we're hopeless. Right, yeah. You know, we have this God who can do immeasurably more right. than we've ever thought or could ever know, and we never want to put ourselves in a right. position that's less than what God has promised us in the Scripture. Very good. Well, we, we have a, plenty more questions, and... Maybe we can get you guys to come back some other time. But kind of what I'd like to finish off is this. Maybe Pete and Val, you can answer this question. The most helpful parenting advice you ever got. And then maybe Andrea and I can finish with what our greatest prayer is for the husbands and wives and mothers and fathers in here. Um, so what's, you two, what's the greatest the most, get, or most can, helpful you parenting advice first. you ever received? I, I love um, scripture um, for parenting there's a specific verse that um, has stood out recently but I think it's I wanted to pass it on to you yeah. it's um, Deuteronomy 32 2 and um, it ends with a crescendo of three it goes on more and more but um, basically it's um, the song of Moses but it says may my teaching drop as the rain so it's mm. talking about the way a mom should interact with her kids the discipleship that we should have all the time and just think about the refreshment that you feel when it does rain and the way the air smells better. So your mom's teaching should be like that air smelling better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a foreign thought to some kids. Mm -hmm. You know, that would be different. When my mom's teaching me, it feels awful, but it should be refreshing. It, mm -hmm. should, be, it should be like that. My, my speech distill as the dew. So just that, that morning sense that you wake up and there's a, there's a, a, a crispness in the air, a, a, a joy that you feel because your mom is, is teaching in this way. And as a mom, we want to do that. So it says, may my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass. Is that not our kids? They are tender, no matter the age, whether they're little wee ones or whether they are the teenagers that are feeling awkward and inside, just so uncomfortable with whatever they're feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. They are so tender. 
and we see that about them. And when you get to know your kids that well, you know when they're struggling with things. Mm -hmm. And it says, and like showers upon the herb. So I, I, I think about that scripture verse, and I, and I think about that as parenting. The scripture is, is a great source to um, look for ideas on how to parent, how God interacts with us, the great love and compassion that he has towards us. He wants you to reflect that to your own family, to your own kids, but he also wants you to truly love them, which means you will correct them and direct them and train them right. and disciple them. Mm. So that's, that's what I'd like to pass on. There's so much, and I, and I think that the things that, uh, that I think about have been how important it is uh, to be a model and an example to your kids. Yeah. And you're a model and an example every single day. And just knowing that these little eyes are looking at you, and whether you're having a good day or a bad day or whatever, they're dependent upon you, and they are going to follow the things that you do more than the things that you say. Right. And, uh, and that is humbling. And to me, there's a whole bunch of P's that go with it. To be a parent uh, is you, you, you need to be poised. You need to be patient. You need to be perseverant. You need to be prayerful. There are so many times uh, in your life as a parent, I know in my life as a parent, that my children have reduced me to my knees to where I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And parenting is humbling. And there are many times I've had to walk down a hallway and go find one of my kids and go, you know what? I'm so sorry for yelling at you, so sorry for embarrassing you, so sorry for whatever it has been uh, to be able to correct a relationship. Um, I know that uh, I am going to sin. I know my kids are going to sin. I know my wife is going to sin. And I think the most valuable thing, I mean, probably out of all of it, is that we've had a Savior who has died for our sin. And he has, he has left us the sign of the cross. And this cross is a place that we go to when we sin. Not if we sin, when we sin. Mm -hmm. And we go there in the real time. We don't wait. We don't agree to disagree. We don't let things just stand the way they are. We know God's given us a conscience. He's given us his spirit inside of us. And we feel that pang of guilt in our heart. And we know it is sin. And we know it needs to be fixed. And we need to fix it with God. And we need to fix it with the people that we've harmed. And unfortunately, the people that will harm the most are our husbands, our wives, and our kids. Just by propinquity's sake. We're around them the most. And what I would tell you is fix your problems in the real time. Uh, using the cross as the ultimate instrument that we know that we can go to this cross to confess our sin, to repent of it, to make it right with God, and to make it right with the people that we've sinned against in our home. And, uh, and the truth will always, will always set us free. And we want to live free in spirit with the people that we are. We don't want to live tied up with shame and guilt and embarrassment and anger and hurt. We want to live in freedom. Yeah. That's that's what I would say. Those are good words. Helpful.